Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. A while back, we interviewed a woman dealing with stage four triple negative breast cancer that had metastasized to the liver. Now, that's not a good prognosis. The National Institute of Health on its website states the following. Prognosis is poor following metastasis to the liver with the median survival rate being only two to three years. Well, guess what? Our guest today is about to celebrate five years of being cancer-free with this disease. Five years. And joining us to tell her fantastic story is Lisa Jordan from Ontario, Canada. Lisa, how does it feel to have defied those odds? Pretty spectacular. Almost kind of want to say, like, I told you so. (laughs) But it feels pretty spectacular. Now, was there a point in your healing where you intuitively knew you were going to beat this? I'm going to say, to be honest, I had done the conventional treatment. Things were still kind of lighting up a little bit. So I was very skeptical at that point. But then, of course, I got started on the oil and then had my next set of scans and they showed everything was stable. And then that's when I knew this is going to work. This is what's going to keep me here. Yeah, the reason I asked this question is because Corey, in talking to Corey many years ago, she was given a very short time to live. And when it came to the cannabis oil, she looked at it and said, this is going to save my life. Of course it did. And that's almost 12 years ago. So what was it like for you emotionally when you were told that you had stage four triple negative breast cancer that spread to your liver? There's just no words, really. I mean, at that point, my little guy had just turned two years old. So obviously my sole focus was him. And when you're told that you have a terminal diagnosis, it's just absolutely gutting. It's it's mind-blowing. I can't even get the right words to say how bad it messes up your head. Lisa, did you have symptoms or was this just discovered on our, our routine mammogram or, or how did this all come about that you got diagnosed? So I had a lump that I had found on my right breast and I had gone and I had it checked by a, I won't say the name, but I had it checked by a facility that do the mammograms and ultrasounds. Uh, now that particular facility kept telling me it is a cyst. It's got part fluid in it. It's nothing to worry about. It's going to go away. Three and a half months later, it's very angry and it's still there and it's hot to the touch and it's very painful. So I decided to get a second opinion. And when I did, of course, they checked the left breast. I said, no, no, that's that's not the right one. It's the right side. And they said, no, we actually see cancer in the left side. So completely blown away. They weren't even checking the spot that I had found. And then long story short, Once they checked the left side, I pushed for them to biopsy the right side finally. And the right side is the stage four, triple negative. Wow. What was going on in the left side? Early stage estrogen charged breast cancer. Two different. So basically, yeah, you had two. You had the hormone driven and the triple negative, the worst nightmare. Yeah. Wow. And I also had a bunch of genetic testing done, and it turns out that I also have the 
mutation in the BRCA2 gene as well. Wow. Now, were you expecting this? Did you suspect this what was, was what was going on or to some level? I had absolutely no suspicion. I mean, other than having one sore breast, which we kept excusing because I had had a couple of miscarriages prior to that. So they just assumed maybe it was a blocked milk duct, what have you. Uh, I had no symptoms at all. I didn't feel lethargic. I didn't feel run down. I mean, I had cancer in my liver and had no idea. Wow. Lisa, did the doctors give you a time frame on how long you had? My husband just came right out and he's, he's very uh, to the point. And when we found out that it was stage four, he just, he openly said like, what's it look like time-wise? And uh, the doctor, I think was a bit stunned that we had been so bold to ask. And she said, well, statistically, it's 22 months generally for most people. She said, however, we're going to try to do our very best to, you know, keep you here as long as we possibly can. Holy shit. I just can't imagine what that's like for a family with a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't actually even find out that I was stage four from my actual oncologist. There was a resident who had come in, assuming that my doctor had already spoke to me and uh, started talking about the cancer in my liver and the stuff that was in my lymph nodes and my chest. And I, I just looked shell-shocked and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, has your oncologist not spoke to you? No, no, she hasn't. So immediately it was absolute meltdown. It was tears. I just said, get the hell out of this room and go get my doctor now. Wow, what a shock. Yeah, Yeah, that's a hell of a shock. And then your doctor came back and told you the full story? Yeah, she came in and uh, kind of apologized for how crudely it was told to me. They kind of skirt around certain things and they'll say, okay, you know, we're going to treat you with the most aggressive treatment we can do. So, of course, at that point, I was willing to do anything possible to be with my child. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Mm -hmm. What happened next then, Lisa? I did do the conventional treatment. Conventional treatment was almost a full year between radiation and chemotherapy. I did have some nasty side effects, obviously, because it's essentially, you know, you're just pumping mustard gas in there and killing everything. So things were still kind of lighting up a bit uh, the following year in the same spots. And I said, okay, I got to do something different. And lo and behold, I had two people actually point me to Corey, two different people that didn't even know each other. And I said, okay, well, this has got to be a sign because if two random people are pointing me in this direction. I've, I've got to look into it. I've got to take this chance. And you did. You betcha. And Corey pointed you in the right direction. She certainly did. Absolutely. <laughs> now she has a tendency to do that with people. Well, you know, it's, it's probably the only uh, woman that I'll ever let boss me around besides my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lisa, when we started you out, I think we did high THC. I don't even think we were on to that four to one ratio at that point. I think we were, yeah, just, we just hit it really hard with the tea. And then um, it wasn't until I think last year, we kind of switched it up a little bit and went to a, a four to one blend. So, right. So refresh my memory. Did you do rectal dosing, oral, a combination of both? All oral. All oral. What a, what a trooper. Yeah. Wow. So it would have taken you some time to build up to that ground? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, prior to taking the oil, I mean, I had 
never tried any sort of marijuana product at all. So to say I was a little wet behind the ears is an understatement. It was a learning curve to figure out micro dosing because I did green out a couple of times. Uh, and, uh, you know, just I just had a really good sleep that night. But uh, yeah, it took me instead of 90 days, it was almost about 120 days to um, orally take the full 60 grams. Right, right. So when you did that 60, because we don't really concentrate on that 60 yeah. and 90 anymore because everybody's so different. But when you completed that 60 grams, did you go and get checked after that at all? I didn't have scans even booked right away. So I just continued with the same protocol for another 60. Yeah, I didn't get a scan to almost that 120-day mark. Okay. And when you got the scan, what did, it, what did it show? That you were making progress? or It showed like my tumor markers significantly dropped in my blood work. My liver enzymes were stabling out. Things were definitely not as bright as they were prior. And the doctors really were surprised. Did they know what you were doing? Nope. Had no clue. At that point, my physician basically was a naysayer, thought it was all BS. And I said, okay, well, if that's the approach that you want to take, then I'm just going to keep this to myself and carry on. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I always suggest to people. Unless you're positive, you're going to get a positive response. Don't say anything until it's all said and done. Interesting. So you continued taking that gram a day and then eventually got clear. Am I correct with that? Yeah. So uh, eventually my scans, I got that first scan. It basically showed much, much improvement. Uh, Three months later, they did a scan again. Everything was absolutely stable. Nothing was growing. Nothing was showing. And then another three months. So basically nine months in total at that nine month mark, my oncologist was kind of flabbergasted and said, you're completely stable. There's there's no measurable disease in your body. Well, and they probably problem. attributed that to the uh, conventional treatment? She didn't say either here nor there, but I mean, that's typically where their head goes, right? But if things were still lighting up after the treatment, then that is not what kicked cancer to the curb. No. Was there any pushback from your family or friends in using cannabis oil? Not at all. If if anything, I had girlfriends and uh, family members doing GoFundMes to raise the funds to purchase because, like me, they were willing to do anything it took to keep me here. That must be really exciting to know that you're you're taking this cannabis oil, which you were unfamiliar with cannabis in your life, yeah. and all of a sudden your tumor markers are much more positive than they were when you were initially diagnosed. And how did you feel mentally and physically during this period? During this period, I I was actually really hopeful because I was seeing the positive coming out of, I'm going to say hard work, because for me, it it was hard work building up my tolerance to cannabis and finding, you know, a way that I could take it that I could still function during the day for my little guy too. So It was a lot of work for me to put in and I did it and I felt hopeful because I was seeing positive results. You know, Lisa, I think you bring up a very important point. I think people need to understand this isn't easy peasy doing oil. It's not a walk in the park um, and it's not 100% successful. You know, I've said before and I'll say again that, you know, there's a guesstimate that's about 80%. 
but it's it's difficult. There's some humps that you have to overcome, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and there's the adjustment and everybody responds differently and what works for you and where is your threshold. I mean, we don't want people getting uncomfortable. So there's a lot. So I appreciate that when you say that you worked to get there, you really truly did work to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very important because, you know, Corey, in the years that we've been dealing with this and talking to people, um, everybody's so different in mm-hmm. taking this. I mean, some people go to a gram right off the bat and yeah. uh, they're fine with it. And others do suppositories, others do it all orally, combination of both. And it's like anything else. If you want to get well, you have to work at it. Dr. Marier in uh, Israel, and all he does is research cannabis, that's it. You can have two cancer patients with the exact same diagnosis, exact same, you know, history of any treatment Mm -hmm. they've done or not done. You can get them both on the same cannabis oil. One of them will respond like that, and the other one will take a lot longer or maybe not respond at all. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. And I mean, I've seen, I've definitely seen stories for both sides. I've seen a lot more positive than negative, obviously outcomes, but to, to me, the work that I put into it, it's, uh, it's like for me, any medicine, you know, if you've got a sinus infection and the doctor says you have to take your full 10 days worth and take it religiously every day, or you're not going to get rid of this. I mentally thought of cannabis the same way. I thought, okay, I've got to be dedicated. I've got to take this every single day. Cause if I start farting around and missing a dose here and missing a dose there, I want to be able to say, I put everything into it, my best foot forward. And I applied myself to make it work. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, it's very well said. Very important. You're not only fighting for your life, you're fighting for the life of being with your, your child and your husband. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa, did you change your diet at all? And did you do any supplements at all or detoxing or a combination of? Diet wise, I'm going to say I just kind of reduced, to be honest, the crap. So, you know, a lot of processed stuff, uh, canned, boxed. I typically went more whole foods. I mean, I still obviously I had treats and whatnot. I'm not going to deprive myself, but I went a healthier. I didn't really restrict myself. I just went healthier. And uh, as far as supplements, I was taking uh, turmeric. It just helped with the inflammation that went along with the chemo side effects and the uh, neuropathy uh, that still, unfortunately, gets me today. But other than that, oh, and uh, I think colloidal, colloidal silver. silver. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I also went on, uh, believe it or not, sounds kind of crazy. People think it's nuts, but I was taking organic raw honey every single day as well yeah i've heard of that yeah good for you good for you now lisa how much of your oil are you doing now because you are on a maintenance dose correct yeah i would say now um nightly 100 to 200 milligrams a night Mm -hmm. so i'm still getting about a gram a week good excellent yeah so, Lisa, when you were diagnosed and you were first going through this and you started on the oil and all of that, what was your husband's input into this? What did he think about you doing the oil? And was he like you? Did he have a good feeling that this was going to work? Could he see the changes that were happening in you? Or how was he? 
Well, at the beginning, he, believe it or not, he actually laughed because my husband (laughs) was a long time, I mean, through his adolescence, he loved to smoke it. So for me, being absolutely a virgin with the product, he just laughed his butt off because the first time I took it, obviously, I was high as you know what. And I'm just sitting there eating a whole bag of potato chips and loving life. And he is just pissing himself. So he was completely (laughs) supportive of it. (laughs) Lisa, do you have any other funny stories about being high and and your husband? Well, there's plenty of that. So when we uh, first started out, my oil was in uh, little syringes. And so I was trying to do it sublingual under the tongue. So... For me, I couldn't do it. I was just choking. <laughs> so he says to me, oh, give, give it to me. I'll put it on a cracker with some peanut butter. You'll be fine. And I said, okay, but we're just getting used to this stuff. So don't put too much on. Of course, being him, being experienced, he just threw a whole wad of it on a cracker with peanut butter. And I ate it and absolutely greened out on the bathroom floor. Oh and he is dying laughing dying because there I am going, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm going to fall through the floor. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And he is literally cracking up and he's going, you just need to relax. You're just really high. Just relax. Easy for you to say you're used to it. Oh no. But the funniest, I'll, I'll be honest. The funniest story yet was, uh, one night I was laying in bed and, you know, I scroll my phone in bed, whatnot. My little guy had hopped into bed. I thought nothing of it, whatever. I reached over and I'm eating some M&Ms because I've got the munchies. And he wakes up and he goes, takes a big sniff. He goes, Mom, are you eating chocolate? <laughs> Middle of the night. I said, yeah, buddy, mom, mommy's having a couple M&Ms. And he says, can I have some too? You know what? Sure. Why not? 12 o'clock at night. Here, have an M&M. Enjoy. (laughs) Top (laughs) red-handed. Yeah, that's uh, those are wonderful stories because uh, I I think you are really a testament to how cannabis, regardless of how much you take, can really be beneficial to you. And I suspect, Lisa, that you wouldn't be alive today if it weren't for cannabis oil. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I I solely uh, 100% agree. Uh, I mean, where my cancer was, you know, being in my liver, that to most people that have that same kind of diagnosis is typically a death sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. When was the last time you had a scan? I actually just had some scans in June. And uh, still, now they see no measurable active disease anywhere. They've done my bones, my organs. uh, They've redone my uh, breast scans. So head to toe, basically, and they see nothing. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And that lump that was on your breast is gone? It is gone. Yeah, I didn't have any um, conventional surgery. Uh, I was told because it was stage four, the horse was out of the barn kind of thing. And so they would not be performing any surgery. So I still have, pardon my expression, but I still have the toxic titties. That's what we call them. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> so yeah, no, uh, no surgeries at all. But uh, yeah, the lump is gone. There's nothing that you could feel at all. Wow, good for you. Now, is there toxic a titties? That's uh, I love titties. that. Is there a history of toxic titties in your family? <laughs> there absolutely is, and it is a a deep, deep history. So my uh, paternal grandmother. Uh, died at uh, the age of, I think she was 54 or 56, stage four breast cancer. She lived for, lived through it, I'm going to say for about three years, according to what my dad remembers. He was only 17 when she passed. So my little cousin also was diagnosed. She was diagnosed at 25, again, paternal side. And she did really well. She uh, was stage three and was in remission forever. And within a last year and a half, she became stage four. And unfortunately, she has also uh, passed from the disease. And right after her funeral, her father was diagnosed with stage four prostate with the BRCA2 mutation. Wow. Boy, oh boy. That's a lot. Actually, and my, my aunt, my dad's sister as well. Now, hers was not breast, but because of the BRCA2 mutation, hers went to her reproductive system. And it was also stage four. Oh, it's like wildfire in your family. It, it just spread like, yeah, like a weed. Lisa, how old were you when you were diagnosed? 38. Boy. 38, uh, 43 now, so. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. You, are, uh, you were a survivor and uh, you're all clear. Yep. And it's unfortunate that other members of your family didn't know about this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about the use of cannabis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do have my uncle pointed in that direction. So he has started to take it. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now he's actually doing very well. Well, good to hear on that on that front. Yeah. Excellent. What's his uh, what's his issue? So it started out in um, uh, prostate and now he had been coughing quite a bit, didn't know, thought he had the flu, ended up going to emerge. And of course, they x-rayed his chest, which they could see pleural effusion. Um, and for the cancer muggles out there that don't know what that is, it's basically the, the tumors were in his lung, creating fluid buildup all around the sac around his lungs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Lisa, I imagine uh, your outlook on life is totally different now than when it was even prior to your diagnosis. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, your um, priorities change big time. Yeah, they certainly do. The little things that piss people off don't piss you off anymore. No. You, you, you tend not to sweat those things, and uh, you start to look at life with a little different aspect. And, yeah, you certainly don't sweat the small things. Because they're not really what matters. No, they're not. Lisa, so if you ha could say anything or give any advice to a woman diagnosed with uh, triple negative or hormone driven or a person just diagnosed with cancer, period, yeah. what would be your best advice to them? My best advice would be you are the CEO of that vessel. And so don't let anyone push you into treatments that may hurt you. Uh, the other thing I would say is just absolutely advocate for yourself and 100% uh, try the oil because you know what? It is not going to hurt you to try it. Uh, it is a natural medicine. And, and to be honest, what do you have to lose at stage four? 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you, you make a very good point about you being the CEO of your health and uh, too often people out of fear, and it's very understandable, um, react to what other people say about the use of cannabis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've said this in the past that uh, we interviewed a woman who was had very serious cancer issues. Uh, she was cleared using cannabis. Her family uh, didn't like it. She stopped using it and she died. Yeah. And uh, boy, you have to be, you have to be vigilant. And I think you are. And I think you are a real testament to those women with, as I hate to say this, toxic titties. Right. <laughs> We're never going to forget that term now. No, no we should. <laughs> never. We, <laughs> We should do a series of interviews with women with toxic titties. <laughs> the toxic titties, uh, yeah, collection or whatever. That's right. That's what we joke about here. We we call ourselves the uh, the toxic titty society. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, the nice thing is, Lisa, is that because you are clear, you're you're going to see your little one grow up, graduate from school, maybe go to university, uh, get married, have kids, and you'll be a grandmother and you'll still be around. Absolutely. It's it's funny you say that because I just mentioned to Corey the other day, I said, you know, when I was first diagnosed, I created a huge list of things that I wanted to um, accomplish and do with my little guy. And I said, I have almost straked out the entire list now. So I've got to start a new list. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, you should be very proud of yourself. Really proud. Yeah. I'm incredibly proud of you, Lisa. As a matter of fact, I get teary talking about you. You've, you're absolutely amazing. Kudos to you. Kudos for taking your health into your own hands. Kudos to being vigilant because vigilant is really huge. You've got to just keep at it. And you've done amazing. You're, you're, you're absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my motto is the, uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. Lisa, what would you like to say to those people listening who are sitting on the fence about the use of cannabis? Um, I would say give yourself an afternoon and listen to the testimonial after testimonial after testimonial. Because, you know, you can listen to rumors and people say, oh, it's never going to work for you. Or you can actually sit down, put the time in and listen to real life stories in real time that show that it does work. Yeah, and you're one of those stories, and I think your story will help someone around the world who listens to Cannabis Health Radio, and it may help more than one person. And I think that is the value in what we do in getting people to uh, tell us about their stories. Because stories are really, really powerful. I mean, you can quote studies and statistics all you want. But when it comes down to dealing with people, dealing with their emotions and dealing with their health, uh, stories like yours are absolutely invaluable. And we thank you so much for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. When someone can relate on a personal level, I, I do believe it makes all the difference in the world. And actually, you've interviewed one of the people that I referred. So and she is now Ned as well. Who's that? Uh, Wendy Lee. Wendy Lee. Wendy Lee. 
you had just posted about her maybe two, three times. Yes, yes, yes. She's amazing, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. So we are we are now friends in uh, two different countries, but but fast friends. Same diagnosis with Mets to the liver. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing too. So, yay, I could see, yeah, you two together, you really need to meet, okay? Absolutely. But make sure you get a babysitter because you're going to need it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, Corey, because I thought we were interviewing Wendy today. <laughs> I didn't know. Really? <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're not feeling well, so we're going to forgive you for not thinking. Oh, gee, Sorry. thanks a lot. <laughs> Lisa, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much for doing this and all the best to you in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again. It was, uh, it was my honor to be here. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your canna confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.